After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. שיירות לבנות חוזרות מבית כנסת והריח הזה ששורק לי את הלב מתגנב מתגנב ופותח דלתו אל אושר קטן אל אותו שיר ישן שעובר אצלנו במשך דורות
No 
here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, Kishoshana, done by Avramo. That's Avram Free. Don't forget Avram Free's in concert this coming Sunday. Everyone is talking about the soul-to-soul, uh, Chazdei soul-to-soul uh, event that's going to be happening on, uh, on Sunday. That's going to occur at the uh, Brooklyn School of Music on Clawson Avenue between President and Union Street, starting at 7 p.m. on Sunday. Avremo with Bring the House Down. Information on that, 347-688-SOUL, 347-688-SOUL. Uh, before that, Yaakov Shweki's 8 Record. You heard Eitan Katz with Echad Odi. Matanot Tanot, Rami Kleinstein. Oh, 8th Day was in there as well, right? Wasn't 8th Day in there? I think Eighth Day was in there with Cheery Bim. Maybe not. I don't. <laughs> I I can't remember anymore. And Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on my, on this March third, day five in the month of Adar, the year five seven seven seven. Tavshinai and Zion. Arab Shabbos Parshas Truma with candlelighting time at five twenty nine on this Arab Shabbos. Five twenty nine. Thirty one degrees. Partly cloudy. A high of forty. Clouds tonight and tomorrow. Tonight down to twenty one. Tomorrow, we're around 30 degrees. Ooh, a cold Shabbos. Uh, 54 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 31 in New York City as we say good morning at the JM and the AM. I want to thank everybody who came on out to Wesley Kosher yesterday for our live lunch. That went from noon to 2 uh, yesterday up in Muncie. It was great seeing everybody and uh, all of us, myself and Miriam Al-Wallach and our team and Naomi Nachman and everybody who was uh, part of the production. Thanks you for... Um, for being there and joining us and for tuning in and watching around the world. Always a lot of fun, those shows, and yesterday, no exception. Hey, we want to wish a Mazel Tov to Jeremy Bienenfeld. We want to wish a very special Mazel Tov to Jeremy Bienenfeld and an extra special 
Mazel Tov to a Cheryl and Dr. J. Bienenfeld. Jeremy Zofrov is this Shabbos looking forward to joining in the big celebration. And um, we take this opportunity to wish Jeremy and Rena and the entire Bienenfeld and Landsman families a major Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Looking forward to the big night this coming week and looking forward to a wonderful Ufruf this coming Shabbos. So we say Mazal Tov to everybody out in Cedarhurst, everybody out in Teaneck, and we're looking forward to being part of the celebration uh, this coming Shabbos and, uh, of course, uh, through the uh, big wedding uh, coming up this week. Friday morning broadcast. It's JM and the AM as we continue. Don't forget, today is the uh, day, Fridays, that we uh, really get into detail about what's happening in the Jewish world and this... Um, and Israel and this crazy world of ours in general. Malcolm Honline will join us at 7.40 Eastern Time. We'll explore all of that. Make sure to keep it here at JM in the AM. Rachim <laughs> 
יפיס עלייך אלוקייך, כי אם סופך אתה נקלה, והיו למשיסה שפייך, ורחק הוא כל מבלייך, יפיס עלייך אלוקייך, כי אם סופך אתה
He was short and fat and rode out of the west with a Mogan David on his silver vest. He was mean and nasty right clear through, which was kind of weird because he was yellow too. They called him Irving. Big Irving. Big short Irving. Big short fat Irving. The 142nd fastest gun in the west. He came from the old bomb mitzvah spread, schlepping a salami and pumpernickel bread. He always followed his mother's wishes, even on the range he used two sets of dishes. Irving. Big fat Irving. Big sissy Irving. The 142nd fastest gun in the West. A hundred and forty-one could draw faster than he, but Irving was looking for one forty-three. Walked in the salt saloon like a man insane and ordered three fingers of two cents plain. Irving. Big fat Irving. Big sport Irving. The hundred and forty-second fastest gun in the West. The James boys was coming on a train at first son and the town said, Irving, we need your gun. Well, that train pulled in at the break of dawn. Irving's gun was there, but Irving was gone. <laughs> Irving. Big fat Irving. Big help Irving. The 142nd fastest gun in the West. Well, finally, Irving got three slugs in the belly. It was right outside the Frontier Deli. <laughs> he was sitting there, twirling his gun around, and Butterfingers Irving gunned himself down. <laughs> Irving. Big fat Irving. Big dum-dum Irving. Big dum-dum dead Irving. The 142nd fastest gun in the West. Really? J.M. in the A.M., one of our ultimate uh, uh, Adar Purim selections here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's Truma. Candle lighting at 529. An amazing week with uh, Nefesh Benefesh. I want to thank them. A great day yesterday uh, during the day with uh, Manashevitz up at Wesley Kosher. I want to thank everybody up there. And uh, thank everybody at Manashevitz. I want to again wish a mazel tov to the Bienenfeld and uh, Landsman families. Jeremy's uh, Ufruf this coming Shabbos to Jeremy and Rena and the extended Bienenfeld and Landsman families. A very, very special mazel tov from all of us here at JMM. I've mentioned countless times over the years how extra special it is. When you're familiar with both sides of a uh, wonderful major simcha. So I say mazel tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Want to take this opportunity and wish a mazel tov to Shelby Rosenberg and Danielle Wax. Uh, Shelby, of course, out in the five towns. Danielle from down in the Philadelphia area. Uh, they're getting married this coming Sunday, please God. And we say mazel tov to them and their families from all of us here at JM and the AM. A special mazel tov to Mosh and Carolyn. Uh, the Rosenberg family out in the five towns, uh, to Lisa and Michael Wax down in the Philly area, 
We say a special Mazal Tov on Sunday's big occasion from all of us here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Plenty more coming up, including our news from Israel at the top of the hour, if you keep it right here at JM and the AM. First Friday, Erev Shabbos in the month of Adar, believe it or not. Uh, it's Erev Shabbos Parsha's Truma with Candlelighting in the New York area at 529. I thank you all for tuning in and being part of this amazing week for us here at JM in the AM. Uh, plenty of highlights this week and uh, all started on Sunday with the mega event with Nefesh Benefesh and then our journey down to Florida for the incredible 15th anniversary celebration. That was something. Uh, so I thank you all for being part of it. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, we've got Gali Tzal in the background. We're going to do our news from Israel coming up. Reminder, Avramo Avram Fried in concert with uh, Chazdei Soul to Soul this Sunday. Starts at 7 p.m. at the Brooklyn School of Music on Claussen Avenue. Information at 347-688-SOUL, 347 347- 688 Soul. Safam is at the Rutgers Hillel. It's an amazing event every time they come to New Jersey, Safam. And that concert begins at 7 p.m. on Sunday night. Go to RutgersHillel.org for information about all of it. RutgersHillel.org for information 
I remind you the Shuvu dinner is tomorrow night in Brooklyn, New York. We wish Mazal Tov to all the honorees. And the base medrash is going to be dedicated in memory of her Banish Mandel as, uh, uh, tomorrow evening. That's happening at the Palace on McDonald Avenue in Brooklyn. Contact Shuvu for information at shuvuusa.org or by dialing 718-692-3434 for information on that. Mayanot Yeshiva High School has their big dinner tomorrow night. That's happening in New Jersey. Congratulations to the Linzers, to Mrs. Cohen, to Rabbi Daniel and Diane Cohen, to all the, and of course, the uh, Ritholtz family in memory of Bruce Ritholtz, all the honorees tomorrow night, the Mayanot Yeshiva High School at their annual dinner. That is happening uh, tomorrow evening. Galitzal, the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday next. Boker Tov from JMDM. גלייצה לשעה שתיים, כאן שני בירנבוים עם מה שקורה עכשיו. חברת הכנסת שלי יחימוביץ' המתמודדת לראשות ההסתדרות תוקפת את יושב ראש הארגון אבי ניסנקורן. זאת על רקע הדיווחים על עסקה בינה לבין איתן כבל במרוץ לראשות מפלגת העבודה. כתבנו תומר ורון. מי שערמות חמאת עופר עיני על ראשו מוטב שיימנע מהטפות מוסר צדקניות ובלתי אמינות עונה יחימוביץ' למתקפה של ניסנקורן על רקע הקלטות שנחשפו אמש של איתן כבל. בניגוד אליו שהומלך בקומבינות לתפקיד יושב ראש ההסתדרות המשיכה יחימוביץ' כל חיי מוקדשים לחקיקה ולמאבקים למען העובדים. מוקדם יותר היום אמר ניסנקורן כי ההקלטה בדבר תמיכה הדדית של כבל ויחימוביץ' במרוצים לראשות מפלגת העבודה וההסתדרות מתעדת קומבינה מושחתת. תושב ירושלים נעצר בחשד שביצע מעשים מגונים בילדות ובנשים צעירות, בעיקר במקומות הומי אדם. כתבנו אריאל זיגלר. החשוד בן 32 נהג על פי החשד להסתובב במקומות הומי אדם בירושלים, בין היתר חנויות ואוטובוסים, ולבצע מעשים מגונים בילדות ובצעירות. עד כה שלוש תלונות הוגשו נגדו במשטרה, והוא נעצר. מעצרו הוארך וכתב אישום יוגש נגדו בימים הקרובים. בתאונת דרכים סמוך ליישוב כליל שבגליל המערבי נפצעו קשה שני צעירים כבני עשרים. צוות של מגן דוד אדום פינה אותם לבית החולים בנהריה. נסיבות התאונה נבדקות. פועל בן 27 נפצע באורח בינוני לאחר שנפל מגובה של כשלושה מטרים באתר בנייה בביר אל-מקסור שבגליל התחתון. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר כי הפצוע פונה לבית החולים רמב"ם בחיפה. מכה נוספת למועמד של הימין בצרפת פרנסואה פיון לאחר שדוברו הודיע על פרישה מתפקידו. כתבתנו שירה נאות. הדובר של פיו פרסם את ההודעה בטוויטר והסביר שלא ייקח עוד חלק במסע הבחירות של המועמד השמרני, אחד משלושת המתמודדים המובילים לנשיאות צרפת. בשבוע שעבר נפתחה חקירה רשמית נגד פיו בעקבות חשד ששילם במשך שנים לאשתו ולילדיו משכורות מזויפות, שערכן עומד על כמיליון אירו. התחזית מחר תורגש התחממות בראשון ובשני ינאה והטמפרטורות יהיו גבוהות מהרגיל. אלה החדשות שעורך עמרי רחמימוב בצוות עם ברט ויזר ובן קטן. JM in the AM. That's our news from Israel with Galit. So Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Truma with Kendall lighting at 529. Well, we have a visitor here. In our studio this morning, someone who's very familiar with the Lower East Side of Manhattan, uh, but comes from Edgeware in the London area of England. I'm speaking about Arye Sampson, who is the author of a brand new book. It's entitled Go to Yourself, Transformation Through Wisdom, Through Jewish Wisdom and Psychology. Arye Sampson, welcome to JM and the AM. Thank you very much. Go to Yourself sounds a little bit like an unusual title. Well, I mean, it comes, it was inspired by the story of Avraham, yeah. you know, when Lech Lecha, and the Balmum explains when Shem said to 
Avraham to go for yourself, it also means to go to yourself. But all tests are there for us to bring out our potential. So in addition to actually the physical act of going on behalf of yourself or for the betterment of yourself, there is a, a reference to... Getting to know yourself. Oh, getting self-awareness. That, that this, God is saying this experience is going to give you more self-awareness? or that just, and, and, and it's there to bring you deeper, to be more yourself, right. essentially, to bring out that potential that lies within yourself. So you're essentially in your book asking people to look at themselves, analyze themselves, and u- utilize what they know about themselves to their advantage. Yeah. That's, yeah. Is this a unique approach? Is this a, uh, uh, you know, something that has never been explored before? Well, I think the unique uh, aspect of the book is that it brings together teachings of Rav Yisrael Salanta, actually a three-step approach, which he talks about, which is gaining self-awareness, then going on to controlling your inner negative tendencies and ultimately transforming them with tools from modern psychotherapy. So I think this is the unique idea of the book. Um, I saw that there was, I came from a educational background right. before going to psychotherapy, and I saw there was a lot of tools in psychotherapy which really mesh with Jewish thought and are basically founded on Jewish principles. So yeah. that, that's, what, that's what I'm doing in the book. You know, the yeah. first of the three that you just said, yeah. what was the first? Self-awareness. O- o- often... Well, well, it's ACT, right? Yeah. So the A is awareness. Awareness, okay. yeah. So the first is often very difficult, and there are a lot of people who never get past that first stage. That, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you know, uh, denial. We ha- we have it very early on in the Torah. Right. You know, we have uh, you know where you know Adam, where are you? Right. And in psychotherapy, in psych- especially in psychoanalytic psychotherapy. There's a whole range of defense mechanisms people have of projection, of blame, where, 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 which have to be overcome to, to get that self-insight. Right. Now, yeah. do, you, do you spend time in the book getting people to, to, uh, to hopefully pick up those tools where they could deal with that self-awareness issue? Right, right. Yeah, the, first, the first stage, I, you know, I, I deal with that. But essentially, a person has to be willing themselves. I mean, I often get people working as psychotherapists in England and also worldwide over Skype, where people will say, like, could you speak to my friend, you know, my brother, my sister, what have you? And I said, well, my first question is, do they want to come? Um, if they don't want to come, it's very difficult. Um, people have to face their own inner demons, essentially. And if they are not willing to, then it's that you can't, it's not much you can do. So the first step in anything is is that inner desire to, to look within. And many of us think that we know many people that we would like to recommend to, to seek this type of advice, right, to pick up the type of tools you're describing, but they likely, in many cases, if not most, just don't have an interest in it. But yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it's a sad fact that many people will only look at themselves when the pain of their dissatisfaction of their life situations gets so strong right. that they have, there's no alternative. When, when, when they see that I can't do this on my own. And that's often when people come to look for, for help. But until that point, it's, you know, it's just like, okay, I, I'll deal with it myself. Arye Samson is here. The book is called Go to Yourself, Transformation Through Jewish Wisdom 
and psychology. It's a mosaic of press release. It's available everywhere, right? Amazon, etc. Yeah, Feldhammer distributed worldwide. Um, it, what makes it Jewish? What makes this topic Jewish? I understand a lot, is, as you already indicated, is based on Rabbi Solanter. That's that's, I guess, enough to make it Jewish. But but I would think that a, a psychotherapist like yourself could really write all this and advise people with ACT, right? These these three steps that with the acronym ACT, uh, without necessarily you know delving into the Jewish angle. Am I right or wrong? I, I think this this uh, ACT is from Rav Yisrael Salanta. Right. So I think that it brings a whole new level. Um, and a you, many of the tools are out there, yeah? But there are unique aspects within Jewish thought, and the two have a, have a power. When you, when you see it's rooted in Torah, when you see that so much yeah. of psychotherapy... Gives it even more validity? Yeah, it gives it... And you, you, and you, can, you can see that it's that the strength of it. What would you say to non-Jewish people or those not familiar with our Torah who would be reading this book? So I've shared it with a number of... In fact, I gave a talk to colleagues um, where I work, right. Jews and non-Jews, right. and it's written, it's written in a way that can, it can be read by every, everybody and it's easily digestible. And there's, at the back, there's glossaries, both on Jewish terms and also psychological terms. Um, Arya Sampson is here. So we talked about awareness. Now let's do the C and the T. What are those two? What, what, once someone, we hope, is ready to turn the corner and has that self-awareness issue you know, under control, then they move on to what? Okay, so, so once a person understands what, sort of at the root of their, an issue, you know, say, say anxiety, they, right. they, they understand they maybe have unconscious fears, the next stage is to take control of it. And essentially I look... Always doable? Always doable to take control of it or not necessarily? <laughs> We can we can only we can only do hashtadless. We right. can only, you know you know there's nothing that is um, no proven. But success the majority yeah. of the time yeah. or not? Yes, yes, for sure, for right. sure. I think one of the, the ideas of this book is to give people hope. Right. That people who are struggling with any number, there is hope, and and uh, there's what to do, and there's tool powerful tools that can transform a person's life essentially. Right. So in terms of the control stage, what I what I saw. Was also a, there's a teaching from Balatanya that there's three garments of the soul: thought, speech, and action. This is a common Jewish concept. We see it all over the place. And I saw that these three powers we have can be used to help us overcome control over our negative tendencies, what we call the Yetzer Horror. Right. So, and they also connect with certain specific uh, psychological approaches. For example, the power of thought cognitive therapy mm -hmm. connects with the power of speech we have many most a lot of psychotherapy but humanistic particularly the the, the idea of speaking out your mm -hmm. worries and behavioral approaches really connect with the idea of taking action so we can use these three tools to go to take control of our negative tendencies either individually one of them or in combination so we've covered awareness the second one is control control and then the third Third is transformation. So, essentially, the idea of the book, and really the idea of Rev. Um, his his transformational concept, is that we're meant to go beyond the idea of just controlling our negative tendencies, but to transform it. So, we overcome the issue. So, for, so for example, a person wants to go running, wants to do exercise. Mm -hmm. So, the first maybe stage one could look at is, what's stopping you? That's the awareness. The second is controlling our negative tendencies to stop us. So we start running. But once a person runs over and over again and repeats it, slowly but surely, if they keep it up, they will start to 
transform those negative tendencies to a stage where they actually may wake up one morning and want to run. And that's a transformation. Habitual. State. Exactly. Creating new habits. The run you, remind, you remind me of a speech I heard from Tal Ben-Shachar, and I think he gave you an, 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 an approbation for the book. Yeah, he did. It was very kind of him. And that was, uh, that was essentially this, that you, know, you, you have to do it to a point where it becomes a habit and uh, incorporate it into your life each day. Right, right. That, that's, uh, the rumba, that's a rumba. Right. In fact, I, I believe that the first ever behavioral conference in is, was in Israel, and it started with them for a statement of the Rambam, um, saying that the, and they claimed the Rambam was the first ever behavioral psychotherapist. He was everything, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think he, he understood he, it all. <laughs> he was loved by loved by all. To say it all, uh, to say it for sure. Um, the uh, part two of the book gets into uh, one's examination of themselves. Then you speak about relationships as well, because a lot of these different factors, whether it's anger, jealousy, etc., weaknesses in people, obviously have an effect on other people, right? Right, right. And um, and you have a whole section on spirituality as well, right. um, which I guess would you know again. Uh, um, help us understand why there's a very important Jewish angle to all of this. That's that's for sure. And the sources in our Torah and our uh, and our uh, rabbinic leaders over the centuries uh, certainly help people get through a lot of this. Uh, the book is called. Let me get the official title here. The book is called. Sorry about that. Um, Go to yourself. Transformation through Jewish wisdom and psychology. Arya Sampson. Uh, the book is available to Mosaic, a press release available on Amazon and a variety of other places. You'll find it. Uh, Arya Sampson has a speaking engagement this weekend. You're going to be up at Project Inspire. Their annual convention is happening in the Pocos in, uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, have you chosen your topic for, uh, for that appearance yet? Yeah. Um, I'll be speaking about overcoming anxiety and stress uh, in a calm why is there a lot of anxiety and stress in our community? I, I, um, not, not, not in this particular room, or, but or, or, or only, only amongst us Americans. There's <laughs> only Americans who have all this you, stress. You know, you know, you know. They say about Americans that if you don't have a therapist, you have a problem. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry about that one. Is that, is that what they say about us? Interesting. Um, but I, I think it's one of the number ones. You know, mental health issues is, right. is anxiety. No it, it's enormous. It's enormous. And Sunday night, this coming Sunday night at 8.30 p.m., uh, R.A. Sampson speaks at the base medrash of Bergenfield uh, in New Jersey. Again, that starts at 8.30. Information about all of this, including the trailer about your book, is, is on your website, right? Right, right. And you, Go yeah, ahead. On reasampson.com. Uh, okay. R.A. Sampson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N.com. You can see the trailer uh, that was created um, uh, in advance of the book, and you can get more information about R.E.A. Sampson and uh, and his work. Again, it's Sunday night, 8.30 at the base measures of Bergenfield. And those of you heading to the Project Inspire convention, you have an opportunity to see him over Shabbat. Uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, I mean, I think we've, we've done a lot over here. Yeah, in a few minutes. You know, we, we could sit here for hours, obviously, on these topics and break down every single chapter right, right, of the right. book, but I, we're not going to be I, doing that. I hope, I hope to be back here in the summer to do a more extensive oh, speaker nice. tour. So people can contact you through the website? Yeah, uh, yeah, they can through the website. That would right. be great. And if they, anyone's interested in me coming out and speaking in their communities, I'm more than happy. All right, go to com for all the information about that and the brand-new book, uh, go to yourself, transformation through Jewish wisdom and psychology. I appreciate you stopping by here this morning. Thank you very much. Lee. A pleasure. More coming up. You're listening to JM and the AM on a Friday morning broadcast right here at the Nahum Single Network. <laughs>
Watch this. <laughs> Through the window, a rock with a note on it. Here, let me see what it says. It says, Dear Mr. Shapiro, unless you deposit $10,000 in small bills in a paper bag under the old hollow tree in a vacant lot on the corner at midnight tomorrow, we will kidnap your wife. Sincerely yours, your kidnappers. Boy, some tough cookies. I better write them a note back immediately. Let me see. Pencil, paper. Dear kidnappers, your rack of this date received. I am writing to tell you I do not have $10,000. But please keep in touch. Your proposition interests me. J.M. in the A.M., one of our great Adar comedy segments. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parsha's Truma, candlelighting at 529. Don't forget, we have an amazing day all day long on our network, I am proud to say, <coughs> starting at 9 o'clock this morning uh, with Naomi Nachman, who's going to be on uh, between 9 and 10 o'clock. Uh, Naomi is going to, uh, is, this morning is going to feature um, Joy of Kosher's Jamie Geller, Tamar Genger, Schiffer and Shlomo Klein, and Laura Frankel, plus Basi Shemtov and Honey Kutarovsky from Detroit Soul Cafe, and Danielle Renoff from PeasLoveCarrots.com. They are all Naomi's guests on Table for Two between 9 and 10 this morning right after J.M. and the A.M. 10 o'clock for our Arab Shabbos music mix, uh, brought to you by our friends at Kedem. 12 noon, our Arab uh, Shabbat live lunch. Mark Zamek is, of course, hosting. That is presented by our friends at Kedem, and we go all the way until candlelighting time. Saturday night, Siegel is going to be with Avrami, uh, featuring Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. That starts um, uh, 9 o'clock Saturday night, 11 p.m. with headlines, uh, David Lichtenstein, and, of course, a... Uh, a JM Sunday edition with Matis coming up Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. So a lot going on today, lots going on over the weekend. Make sure to take advantage and tune in. Um, Want to thank uh, Nefesh Benefesh and everybody who made it an amazing week, including yesterday our friends at Manashevitz really had an amazing week. Malcolm Honeline's coming up. We'll do the weekly update. I uh, want to remind everybody that the... Uh, you're invited to the Mikvah Batsheva Chaya Esther to mark the 14th yard site of Batsheva Kanelski. Uh, this coming Sunday, 10.30 in the morning at the Bris Avram Center in um, Hillside, New Jersey, featuring an inter the internationally acclaimed Israeli composer and singer Zlata Razdolina and her band live in concert. It'll be a lavish buffet. The Kanelski family invites you to uh, be part of it. Information 908 289 
0770-908-289-0770. Mentioned earlier, this Shabbos is the Ufruf of Jeremy Bienenfeld. Mazel tov to Cheryl and Dr. J. Bienenfeld. Special mazel tov to the extended Bienenfeld and Landsman families on Jeremy and Rena's uh, upcoming wedding. We say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um, Malcolm Holmline, our weekly update is coming up. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at about 8.15. We'll wrap up the week at 9 a.m. and then head into our Friday programming here at the Nahum Siegel Network as uh, we have an amazing array of a great Friday programming, to say the least. And we'll have that for you. We've been doing a lot of the brand-new Leif Tahar this morning um, here at... Uh, at JM in the AM. This is the very first, and I want to thank Leif Tahar for being here yesterday. It was a wonderful segment with them. Uh, here's how the album opens. Leif Tahar, Volume 5, at JM in the AM.
in the AM. It's Leif Tahar, volume number five. It was their Draw You Crowd before that as well, also off of Leif Tahar, volume number five. Someone had asked that on the app. Um, what else do we have on the app this morning? Um, someone wanted to know the name of the book. The name of the book we just discussed is uh, Go To Yourself, Aryeh Sampson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N. The book is called Go To Yourself. He'll be up at the uh, Project Inspire weekend. For those of you who are going to be going, you'll see him. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, and who sings this song, Hallelujah? Yeah, that is, of course, Leif the Harf of volume number five. <coughs> it is the um, JM and the AM Friday broadcast. The Malcolm Homeline coming up. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Truma with candlelighting at 529. And I thank all of you for listening in from around the world. Greatly appreciated. want to give a special shout-out to some of the communities we've been to recently. I want to say... Uh, I want to say hi and give a special shout-out to Livingston, New Jersey, uh, specifically but not exclusively to Rabbi Klibanoff Synagogue. We had an amazing time there uh, back in December, and um, that was one of our wonderful uh, speaking engagement weekends that we will not quickly forget. want to thank the Young Israel of East Brunswick, B and Ralph Rosenbaum, Rabbi Unterman, and everybody who was so incredible as hosts last Shabbos in East Brunswick, New Jersey. I hope all the East Brunswick people who uh, installed the app on Saturday night are tuned in this morning and listening in to JM in the AM. I'm sure they are. And a special shout-out down to Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina, where I know our listenership has increased, and I know that Rabbi Oppenheim and his family continue to uh, spread the word about JM in the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. So, Charlotte, a special shout-out to you. Also, a special shout-out. And we were actually on the plane back from Florida with one of the teams to those uh, youngsters that are in town for the Sarachek tournament. 20 teams have gathered in New York City up at Yeshiva University for the uh, annual basketball championships, the annual basketball tournament, the Red Sarachek Memorial Tournament. It ends on Monday with the big final in the afternoon, but games are going on, well, all through yesterday, um, today, tomorrow night, all through Sunday. It's a big day Sunday up at YU. So a special welcome to everybody participating in the Sarachek tournament from around the country. And um, we say welcome to the New York area from all of us here at JM in the AM. More from Benny Friedman coming up at JM in the AM.
Man. 
Okay, Sally, let's go over the plans. You're going to the bank, and you'll tell them, stick them up. Should I take out the guns first? Should I take out the guns first? Dummy! Certainly you take out the guns first. No, not here in the street. When you get to the bank, you take out the guns and you say, stick them up. Stick them up. Now, I got it. I got it. When you got all of them stuck up, you'll take out the shopping bag from Corvettes. You'll give it to the teller and tell him to fill it up, please. You'll take the bag of money. You'll tell everybody that's stuck up that they shouldn't move for five minutes because you've got the place surrounded by me. You'll back out of the door. I'll be waiting for you in the car. That's it. And believe me, you got the easy job and I got the dangerous job. You got the dangerous job? I'm going in there alone with two guns against six guards and all those people, and I'm going to tell them to stick them up and fill it up and back out of the bank while you're sitting in the car, and you got the dangerous job? Certainly I got the dangerous job. I can drive. <laughs> J.M. in the A.M. with our odd dark comedy segments that people just love, and for good reason. On this era of Shabbos Parshas Truma, candle lighting at 529, Malcolm Homeline coming up. We'll do the uh, weekly update. In just minutes, Shlomo Katz had Yismach Melech. You heard the uh, Benny Friedman selection, Laasok. Want to take this opportunity and thank everybody responsible for an amazing week at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network, uh, including our friends in Nefesh Benefesh. Special shout-out going out uh, to Rabbi Josh Fass, to Yael Katzman, to Mark Rosenberg, to Aaron Leibowitz, uh, Tony Gelbart, of course, and everybody who is so instrumental in making it such a tremendous week for us in partnership with Nefesh Benefesh. Want to thank uh, the people responsible at Boca Raton Synagogue, especially Rabbi Goldberg and uh, Matthew Hacherman. Uh, incredible help from Matthew over the last few weeks, and specifically, of course, over the last few days. Thank you, Matthew, from all of us here at JM and the AM. And a special thank you to uh, some of the people who are responsible for the um, Yarche Kala, including uh, the YU Yarche Kala, including uh, Rabbi Yaakov Glasser and Menachem Lewin and others who helped us coordinate everything down there. Uh, much appreciated. Big thank you to our friends at Manischewitz, uh, to Dave Sugarman, to um, uh, to uh, yeah, Dave Sugarman, and to um, uh, everybody and Yossi Ostreicher and everybody who helped us uh, coordinate yesterday's show. Big shout out to everybody at Wesley Kosher up in Muncie for their assistance yesterday and for hosting us so nicely. It's always fun when you're with a host that that uh, is, is enjoying the fun of the show, and they certainly are part of that yesterday, and we thank them very, very much. And uh, to everybody who uh, really helped make this a great week. Weekly update coming up and plenty more. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
are being inundated, thank God, with wonderful Simcha news this morning. Again, want to wish a Mazel Tov to a Jeremy Bienenfeld and to Cheryl and Dr. J. Bienenfeld. The big Ufruf is coming up on Shabbos and to the Bienenfeld and Landsman families, a special Mazel Tov on the upcoming wedding. Also, we mentioned earlier that Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area, is going to have a major Mazel Tov happening on Sunday. Want to take this opportunity to wish the Rosenberg and Wax families a Mazel Tov. Shelby Rosenberg and Danielle Wax are going to be married this coming Sunday, please God. And we say Mazel Tov to Carolyn and Mice Rosenberg, to Lisa and Michael Wax. And speaking of the Philadelphia area, we got a call about a big simcha in Wynwood, Pennsylvania. And by the way, the caller said we have a major presence down there in the Philadelphia area, which is so nice to hear. Thank you, thank you. Wynwood, Pennsylvania. Avi Eckstein, Avraham Avi Eckstein, the son of um, Nira and Nachum. Uh, Eckstein, his bar mitzvah celebration this coming Shabbos. We say mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, we want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically suggest us, the Nachum Siegel Network, as an audio accompaniment to their incredible website. If you want to print out 4,000 articles or more about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos, you go to JewishWorldReview.com and check it out. Also, a big thank you to OnlySimchas.com who continues to utilize our incredible content as part of their news feed because they're not only about Simchas anymore, they are about Good news and amazing news that's happening around the Jewish world, and we certainly thank them. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's okay. good to be back, I think. Hope you've had an opportunity to settle down and settle in after the month of traveling that you've just been doing. Well, having gotten back just yesterday, it's a little premature to say that I'm settled in. <laughs> I'm, I'm never sure that I'm settled, but uh, I try. What did you think when, essentially, the opening of the uh, speech to the joint session of Congress by the President of the United States concentrated on the topic of anti-Semitism? Well, first of all, I thought it was appropriate. I thought it was... Um certainly something welcome that in the first sentence he, he devoted to, to the uh, incidents and you know for all of those who were critical of his failure to to acknowledge it uh, I think have an obligation and we have spoken out on that but congratulated him for doing it expressed appreciation for doing it it was the right thing to do but it was also uh, it was also his reference to Israel where he did not mention many other countries he did specify his commitment to strengthening the ties with our ally Israel and I think he used the superlative term there as I recall right. so both that got overlooked by the way in the course of the uh, 
reportage about uh, his comments on anti-Semitism and the rest of the speech, but I thought it was also significant. Are we are we lacking leaders? And I know that there are systems in place, and that synagogues and schools and JCCs, you know, have connectivity, so to speak, uh, with with authorities and with Jewish leadership when it comes to to episodes and potential episodes. We know that you've told us that many times, but there there seems to be a lack of leadership in our community nationwide on this issue. Um, I, I don't get the feeling that leaders in our community of all varieties. Uh, are speaking out the way they should and are encouraging, um, you know, average people like us to, to you know, take action in regard to what's happening across the country. Are you getting the same feeling? No, I, I think that there's been a terrific response. Uh, there are differences of view about how you respond to this, and that's legitimate. There are those who say that hyping it only means to invite more copycatting, that some who downplay the significance of, of calls as opposed to incidents. And, you know, there have always been cemetery violations, they argue. There are others who say, look at the cumulative facts that the NYPD uh, reported a 90% increase over the, the first six weeks of this year compared to last year, that the um, there's certainly uh, Internet activity, there's certainly threats, that uh, one takes seriously because words of violence lead to deeds of violence. And so there is some difference of view, but I think in terms of speaking out and in terms of taking steps, SCAN, the Secure Community Network uh, operation, which I've mentioned many times here for people and institutions, especially schools and schools to go to, JCCs to learn about how you deal with all sorts of security threats. They did briefings for hundreds and hundreds of the JCC executives, for school executives and directors, Ishibot and day schools and others, um, this week alone, with together with DHS and FBI, both of whom I have to say have been very cooperative uh, with them and, and expressing concern. And there's a meeting, in fact, today with the head of the FBI uh, or some consultation with him today. And... Um, there's much more that goes on behind the scenes and quietly than gets reported and shouldn't be reported. But I would say that, that, that the response to the community and community leadership has been very strong. Mm, hate to disagree, but I, don't, I think there are too many people across this country who are seriously living in fear at the moment and are not sure what to tell their kids in terms of uh, how to conduct their day because of potential attacks and other things that they're worried about. I don't think the average Jewish person in this country is getting that feeling that this that this matter is being taken care of the way it should, but well, uh, it's a question. What what we can't put a policeman in, in everybody's house. There are police. No, but there's certain there's certain in there's certain in re different there's, institutions. But there's certain reassurance that Jews across this country are looking for from their own leaders. There's certain you know what you some of the things you just described. I don't think the average person on a regular basis uh, understands or realizes that someone's out there doing their bidding. That someone's out there you know taking care of these issues. Well, that's that's a, a criticism of the media because it's not because you know this information isn't being made available or that we haven't responded uh, on a regular basis. I have to say, when we were in Israel, it got front page coverage all the time, and uh, people very aware there, very concerned about what's happening here. You know that it's been going on in Europe for a long time, far more 
uh, intense uh, activity than we see here. We saw the threats now that came from ISIS that, that in Britain where they said that they will just act indiscriminately. There, there was a warning yesterday uh, from uh, ISIS leaders about threatening to attack Jews uh, where, wherever they are. It called to terrorize Jewish communities in the West. They tell them to dress like Jews and to um, take it then. Uh, and in one case, they actually published a list of Jewish communities in Britain, um, but they they said that they should... Um, uh, take the, the the kind of activities that they should engage in. So uh, we, we know that this is, is that these kind of threats. While people say, "Well, haven't actualized," they can be actualized very easily, oh, yeah. and they can be translated in, into activity. So there is no uh, lack of concern, and certainly it's something that we and others have been dealing with uh, on an hourly basis, a daily basis for a long time, but warning about these things for much longer. We created SCAN years ago, and the problem is, as I've told you often, is that institutions and and our agencies and our community organizations, when it comes to their budgets and they have to cut or they want to allocate funds, security was always the last thing. In Europe, it was the first thing. And governments allocated large sums of money in France and Britain um, to assist the Jewish community in in, uh, face of the attacks. But here, uh, the federal government finally allocated money, and the vast majority of it went to, on an annual basis, to Jewish institutions for cameras, for other equipment. Uh, It was a one-time grant, and it, uh, it, it went only so far. Uh, and hopefully they used it for the purposes for which it was intended. Now the government is going to uh, uh, allocate more money. Uh, Governor Cuomo allocated $25 million for uh, Jewish security in in New York State alone. I think other states are going to follow suit, and we've had discussions with members of Congress even during the night last night, Uh, and I know Carolyn Maloney is going to hold a press conference about this today. Uh, Others are are, uh, dealing with it. Governor Cuomo, I understand, is going to Israel for a day to discuss it. Uh, People are acting on it. It's not as if this is being swept under the rug. I know what you're saying, and I know that people... It, it need reassurance all the time and, and the idea that somebody is following. But I have to say the FBI is investigating what, that they were not able to identify somebody uh, has to do with the use of technology today right? and that it could be a foreign source yeah. that is engaged in this, which makes it far more difficult. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the two major categories, I know there are others, obviously, but the two major categories that we've been focused on in this country, or at least the media has been focusing on, are the cemetery episodes, of course, and the JCC slash major Jewish institution bomb threats, essentially. And the cemeteries, uh, you know, like like you say, you can't, can't have a cop everywhere, and the, generally, you know, those places are not being guarded at night. We understand all that. Um, but when it comes to the other one, it, it is shocking to the average person. And again, I know that sometimes we're unrealistic and have unrealistic expectations. But it's shocking to us in 2017 that someone could actually place a phone call and that it can't be traced or it can't be, uh, you know, detected, you know, where it's coming from, who it's coming from, and who they were influenced by in order to make that phone call. You know, having in mind ISIS and the possibility that they actually, you know, are connected somehow to all of these threats. Are, are, am I being completely unrealistic that, that these technological 
uh, uh, the, the, the things that we think can be solved technologically are more complicated than I think? No, they are more complicated, and if somebody is sophisticated, and, you know, it could be one individual doing this. It doesn't take much to get the phone numbers of JCCs, uh, Jewish community centers, and to be able to call them and, and issue a threat. Uh, the, the, and, again, so far, thank God, not one a, a, a was found to have an actual bomb or, or anything else. We do remember, though, in Kansas City and other places where JCCs were attacked, and uh, we know that what goes on on the campus, which is another category, it seems, in people's minds, but to me, frankly, it is perhaps the most troubling because we're seeing, we saw over the last years the, the rapid increase in the number of anti-Semitic incidents, whether guised as BDS, which at a core, its core is anti-Semitism, and that does not mean criticism of Israel or having a difference of view over policies with Israel. I'm talking about those who deny Israel's right to exist, who deny the right of the Jews to state, the, the singling out, the, the triple standard, not even a double standard uh, against uh, Israel. But the thin veil is quickly removed, right. and it's what we warned about for a long time. And as you know, people did not want to pay attention to it. And, and now... People are concerned about the campuses to which their kids go, and it's something they should check out before you send an 18-year-old to a campus. Parents have an obligation. As much as they will check the academic standards, they ought to be checking the security standards there. No question about it. And we discussed, and I, and I, I told you this based on my trip down to North Carolina when I was briefed by the community leaders that the uh, the campus security essentially acts independently, and anybody who thinks that anybody has any jurisdiction over them, they are making a terrible mistake. So. And that's why faculty, why uh, uh, donors, why administrators, why the uh, alumni all have to be engaged. And we have done this, and, our, and the lawyers from the Lawfare Project are active on campuses across the country to defend Jewish students' rights and why we are looking for several things. One is a federal definition of anti-Semitism, like the State Department's being applied by the Department of Education, um, to universities so they have something by which they can be measured and why I also call for that international world conference because it has to be clear that it's the responsibility of the world to address it the Jews can't address the problem of anti-semitism because we're the victims not the perpetrators and we can be tougher in our responses but whatever it is it'll be a defensive stand hey symbolic I'm I'm sorry and I, but I believe this time we need enough offensive stand, and there has to be clear uh, definitions uh, and and uh, clear message that we're not going to accept it. We're not going to raise the bar on what we will tolerate. That has been our our uh, mo. We read it in in the parsha a couple of weeks ago about in, in the Exodus from Egypt that the Jews kept saying we can take it more bricks, less straw, tougher, and they kept saying and until they said at one point no more, God said, now you're ready to be redeemed. Mitachat Sivlot Mitzrayim, it says, and, it, and the commentator says it's It's from under the impression, but it really means from under the tolerance level that you kept saying, and until you were psychologically ready to be free, and we, who are free and have the ability, have to act in that way and show that mentally we are free as well as physically. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the Nahum Siegel Network and, of course, on our beloved NSN app. Have you given consideration as to the site of the World Conference on Anti-Semitism that you're proposing? There, there, you know, symbolically, there could be some uh, interesting sites to hold that conference. Absolutely. And uh, we have given a lot of consideration. I believe it should be in Europe. 
which is still the front line now today on the battle of anti-Semitism. And as we did for Soviet Jewry when we convened the world conferences uh, led by Gold Meir, I think, in fact, the first one in 1972 and 1976, it put the marker down and it, it elevated the cause. It became a rallying and mobilizing uh, force. And, and what I want there is not for Jews to denounce anti-Semitism, but the leaders of the world to be called upon to speak out against anti-Semitism and, and racism and bigotry in all its forms. But fighting anti-Semitism will fight uh, all forms of racism because we know that the largest number of attacks are against Jews, including in the United States. And you've given thought to how many countries would participate, I'm sure. Well, we've had some discussions. We don't know. You never know until you actually right. do it. People, of course, you know, indicate. But I think if, in fact, and to a large degree it depends on the government of Israel, it depends on others, that uh, that if in fact it is convened, I think the response would be very strong. People are beginning to come to terms with the, with the danger that exists to communities. Look, churches are under siege. Christians are being killed. Others are being killed. This is a um, you know something that too often gets swept under the rug, and people don't take the time to really to really uh, examine it and look at what the reality is. And if we do, it's for the fifteen minutes of the news report, and then. It goes. Uh, it goes off. You see, saw this week how British bishops and others were condemning and and are, are speaking out against uh, the apartheid week, Israel apartheid week in Great Britain, right. and that they have taken. And the British government has taken some uh, strong stance against the uh, BDS uh, because they've come to the realization that this is something uh, that affects everybody. And when when Jewish students, as the bishop said, feel intimidated or vulnerable and insecure. Uh, especially given the rising anti-Semitism, that the the, um, the it requires um, uh, that people stand because it, it means the end of dialogue. It means the end of positive actions, cooperative actions. New leadership at ten Downing is that the reason, or is it just a coincidence? No, I think this is this goes beyond just the new leadership. Of course, that helps. And if Mr. Corbyn, God forbid, were were it have been prime minister, I think the situation. Uh, uh, would have been uh, would have been different, and I think that the the um, uh, you know we see even changes at the UN where uh, Nikki Haley, the ambassador of the United States, has, has started to talk about uh, ending the UN, Human Rights Council's obsession with Israel. We've seen others who have issued statements, including the Secretary General, about the bias against Israel, and you know the the criticism again. I, I saw the. Syrians who come in for treatment uh, in Israel and at, at immense expense and causing a real problem, a budget crisis for hospitals and the government having to step in and, and uh, they pay for all, all these people uh, uh, being treated, that it's something the world doesn't credit Israel, but instead keeps up this constant barrage of criticism. And um, I, I think that... that uh, all of these things contribute to this atmosphere. You know, the tolerance for all these years of the money that the PA was paying terrorists, and now we have the Taylor Force bill. Right. Taylor Force was the young Marine who was killed in in, uh, in Yaffa, was walking, and, um, uh, and was the victim of a terrorist attack. And he, um, and this, so the bill is called for him that, that it would stop assistance to uh, West Bank and Gaza uh, until the Secretary of State can certify that the PA has ended the acts 
steps to ending acts of violence against U.S. and Israeli citizens and condemn such acts and stops the payment. I mean, it's just ridiculous that uh, I saw a number, I think 36,000 people receive pensions who are in Israeli prisons or who were killed in, the, in carrying out terrorist attacks, that their families, or in the case where those are alive, receive pensions uh, many times that what a, a Palestinian uh, would receive or, or what a Palestinian policeman would make. So Lindsey Graham deserves credit for leading in this uh, effort, and we hope that uh, they'll work out the language so that it can be bipartisan, strong bipartisan support and a message to everyone. We always wonder if these things are, you know, the the acts of Congress or the attempts to get these uh, bills passed, you know, if they end up being symbolic or not with the prior White House it seemed that the money ended up at the PA's hands no matter what. Uh, I don't know what the current White House would do if they would encourage you know it one way or the other, but uh, I guess that remains to be seen, right? No, uh, yes, obviously it does remain to be seen until, until we actually do it. But the, the, I mean, the language certainly has been very strong, and the expressed commitment to doing something has been strong. So we want to see it translated, but it's up to Congress and to see a bipartisan support, which I think does exist and and uh, will be manifest by the, i'm convinced by the way i wanted to uh, uh, to wrap up the the when we brought up anti-semitism in the united states to open the conversation you know on the cemetery episodes issue for those of us who grew up near jewish cemeteries or you know frequented areas that were near jewish cemeteries these types of episodes you know are, are really frequent i'm sure you're aware of that i mean there are certain places where these types of things go on on a really regular basis you know i, I mean daily or weekly and I'm just wondering if it's possible at this time, because of the atmosphere toward Washington among the media, that they're simply paying a lot more attention, reporting a lot more about these types of episodes, and maybe even people in general, because of their their fears in terms of what's going on out there, are paying more attention, again, making you know, the press and, and everybody else around the country more aware of these. Is that possible? I think that there is something to that, that the, 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 there is a greater awareness, but because of the general tensions and the forces that were unleashed long before the election and not traceable to to the election and not uh, just on the right but on the left as well during that we saw the expressions the hostile expressions that that emerged and you're right i mean i thought often about the fact that the cemetery desecrations you know people young people would get drunk and they would go to the cemetery and they would topple stones and they didn't do just to jewish cemeteries here in new york i remember numerous times when uh, christian cemeteries or others were were uh, similarly desecrated and most of them are unguarded it doesn't take much to climb over a fence and engage in 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 a wanton act of uh of violence the the the, the fact is, though, that when it occurs in Europe, we all scream and yell and demand the government to act. When it comes here, you know, because we know the society isn't isn't promoting it, now people are afraid that, that it has become too commonplace and that the acceptance levels are, are higher. And I think that is evoking the greater response. And it is, it is a horrible act when you don't have respect for the dead. You don't have respect for the living. I am not questioning that at all. I'm simply saying that, you know, nighttime at cemeteries is a very easy, convenient hangout for people who want to, uh, you know. How many times have we visited cemeteries and you see beer cans laying around or other things on a Sunday morning because 
you know, the weekend, the Saturday night was spent drinking or Friday night. So you're absolutely right. They're, they're too accessible. And they're easily vulnerable. I don't know that you, we have the resources. I mean, if you think about the number of cemeteries in abandoned, in, in former Jewish communities, or uh, like this one in Philadelphia that, that we just saw, was in an area that had a big Jewish population, but today doesn't. And that is true in often in these cases. Uh, and you know, it's the obligation to, to to maintain it, the community's obligation and the owner's obligation. But too often, it's it's just too easy to do. I saw an article in your Daily Alert. I just can't find it now. A, a representative from which African country was with the prime minister this week? Zambia. Now, I don't know. You, you could tell us. I don't know what the relationship is. I did see him, yeah. Oh, did you see him? Yes. I don't know what um, the relationship is. You know, there's certain African countries you've told us, you know, that have a very cold uh, a position toward Israel and others that have really warmed up. So you could tell us about Zambian leadership. But I didn't even realize that there, there there's an African Union that Israel was removed as an observer from? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yes. Um, Why? And in fact, I went a year ago, two years ago, we, we, we went with a delegation at the invitation uh, of uh, the OAU presidency uh, at the time, which was Equatorial Guinea, they invited us to come and... Uh, when we sat in the hall and were given very uh, honored location, um, there was a huge brouhaha, and the Iranians, who were observers, Palestinians, with some support from an e- Egyptian, uh, protested, and they couldn't start the meeting because we were in the room. They kept saying, the Israelis are here. They're not allowed to be here. <laughs> and and we had a, a showdown with them, and eventually we, we, uh, we left. Uh, but even the American Assistant Secretary of State, who's the ranking uh, African Affairs person in the U.S. government, was barred from the hall. Uh, the OAU, the Organization of African Unity, uh, now readmitted Morocco, and the king is traveling the, the continent. We have seen a really remarkable change in terms of overall African policy. The problem is that these institutions are easily hijacked. And now the Zambian president, amongst others, has said that they're going to try to reinstate Israel's uh, observer status. It, it is easy to mobilize the, the objections and, and the people like... Uh, you know, with Iran or the Palestinians and some of the others there to, to get them uh, uh, worked up. I, I have to say, we received an official apology for, for what happened, and I had meetings with 13 African heads of state in the one day, and many more had wanted meetings, so it, on an individual basis, the relationship was fine. It was the pressure that uh, these outliers put on the, on the government, and they, and they held it up for an hour uh, because of it. But as an example, does Zambia benefit from Israeli technology or import? So you should have to see the delegation that the president of Zambia brought. I think he had the vast majority of his cabinet there, and he came for five days, and he um, and he's interested not only technology, agriculture, water. I mean, the list of things which uh, Zambia wants to pursue with Israel, and which many other African countries I know. All the ones we meet, how many of them have been to Israel, want to go to Israel, ask us to intercede to help them go to Israel. Uh, th- there is a big change in, in Africa, and they are also facing facing the, the the big threat today of Iran, surprisingly for most people, but it is today. It used to be China, which they say you know would come in and rape their countries and take things out. China is still very active in Africa, but the threat that they see today is is Iran. 
and Iran's infiltration, undermining governments, you know, spreading uh, Islamic extremism. Uh, this is a, a major concern, and they want help on that too. And speaking of China, I didn't even realize that uh, ISIS has its uh, has its sights set on China, and well, and right. and then of course in the context <laughs> in the context of the story, ISIS has their sights set on everybody. <laughs> that, that's that is right, but it's it's a important point because the, the the in China the Uyghurs who are Muslim in Xinjiang province have long been a problem. This the Chinese forces have been fighting them. There have been mass arrests. There are many things uh, that, have, that have taken place, but for many years. Now ISIS is saying that they are targeting um, uh, China, but in fact, it, it, um, fighters, young uh, Uyghurs from uh, China, have gone to Syria to fight and now are coming back, and the Chinese government is very active to trying to uh, uncover them, fight them, oppose them from, uh, from coming in. But when you see things like the Iranian defense minister talking about the need to to uh, fight America and its ally Israel, and that that's the main threat, and, and you inciting that language, that we have to gain the upper hand and we have to operate all over the world against them and we have to have sufficient power to surprise them everywhere and hit them hard. Uh, you, when you see the leaders of ISIS uh, expressing their uh, threats, you know, in Egypt against the cops, but talking about their global threats and going from Sinai to the whole region and uh, maintaining the, um, and then even if they lose in Syria, and this is the point I want to make, is that, that people shouldn't think that this means the end of the, of the ISIS threat. It will morph into more of a global threat. And they will, unless we continue to keep the pressure and really dismantle them and do whatever is necessary. As I said, you know, I took that morning from the um, the head of the, the, the country's major watchdog, a guy named Max Hill in Great Britain, and he said that these indiscriminate attacks on innocent civilians and essentially saying that we can't prevent it. We'll try to fight them. We try to identify them. That's the nature of asymmetric warfare. And, right. the, and the Iranians called for it. And so does uh, and ISIS engages in it. Yeah, and well, I mean, the, the China articles spoke to me that, uh, or said to me that uh, they're they're not going to be satisfied till there's a world war. Essentially, I mean, that's that's the goal. ISIS wants to engage everybody and uh, and you know and 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 get rid of as many infidels as possible. It, it's true, and they uh, they shift easily in their activities. You know, like the ISIS in Sinai. Uh, now attacking in Egypt, but uh, going after the Copts and the Christians in, in northern Sinai that they had to leave because they, they murdered a number of them. Uh, and then tomorrow they can shift their focus to, to Gaza or they can go elsewhere. This is, um, you know, a very fluid action and therefore hard for even for Israel on its border to anticipate what will happen in Syria and how that impacts uh, Israel's security. Yeah. Israel is exporting natural gas to Jordan uh, through a, an American intermediary, it seems. Are there other countries that, that Israel is now actively exporting natural gas to? There are uh, many plans underway for a pipeline from Israel to Greece and Israel to Turkey, wow. and from Greece into Europe, Turkey into Europe, and for their own use. Uh, some of it, the plans are in cooperation with Cyprus. There's talk about using the LNG facility, the liquefied natural gas facility in Egypt, which is dormant. And they, they are exporting to Egypt as well. They want to obviously help the Egyptian economy be stable. And um, 
uh, and we're talking about the possibility of exports to to China and elsewhere. So the you know the, I, I was at the site and we were in Cyprus last week and talked to the people there and the government there, which is working very cooperatively with Israel. Um, that the uh, potential of what they can the exports and the economic potential, but also the the degree to which this can change. Israel's relations uh, with a lot of the world. You know, and maybe, and maybe it was because of the week I had with Nefesh Benefesh, but I can't let this, and I'm not begging for good news, Malcolm, but it's just unbelievable. Less than 70 years later, do we even realize what we're living through? You know, we've gone from an era 70 years ago, you know, coming off of, of riots where Arabs would, uh, you know, at a moment's notice go, go and wipe out Israeli towns. Uh, to and and you know we're we're the we're the biggest weapon on the Exodus when enemy ships were around were, were potatoes frankly that they were hurling you know at the enemy to an era where where Benjamin Netanyahu is essentially right you know hop aboard the bandwagon everybody because Israel is going to be leading us going forward. So the you're right and it's it's not just in the energy field the amazing things that are going on in medical discoveries and research every day a, a new drug a new. Uh, in medical device, in in many other areas as well, and its impact is, does not go unnoted, uh, um, even in countries that tend to be uh, more hostile to Israel. The, the there is a lot of good news. Unfortunately, it always gets eclipsed <laughs> by the you know that's not what people are interested in. No, I know. Just and it, but we saw it on our trip. You know, we were right. in Morocco as we were, you know, in Egypt and in Cyprus. We talked a little bit about it about the receptivity the the openness with which uh, which was not there a few years ago and we do put the, and it, it destroyed a whole cadre of jokes you know that your parents and grandparents favorite line was why didn't moses turn right instead of left we would have had the oil they would have the sand you know etc you know and they were ready to try, trade milk and honey for oil well now israel finds one of the biggest um, energy finds leviathan in, in many, many years, and it will provide for decades for Israel and for exports. Hey, hey, it's Adar. What about my favorite joke? How do you make half a fortune in Israel? Bring, uh, yeah, bring a whole fortune. There. Right? Bring a whole fortune. I don't fortune. make fun of Israel. So no, but I'm, I, but I'm saying that the joke doesn't even apply anymore. <laughs> I, I said to you, all the jokes it's are sadly un- humor, which, uh, you know, People it's unbelievable. Knew, knew how to leave Israel as a millionaire, go as a billionaire. And, and, and this week we had an opportunity, and you've done this a million times, we addressed high schools and middle schools. First of all, you ask them to raise their hand who has a relative living in Israel, over 90%. Who's been to Israel over 90%? In my elementary school class, there would not have been that kind of percentage. It would have been close to that. The connection. Well, yeah, the, don't forget, we didn't have the ability and the costs and many other things today. Young people... And I, and I look at my own grandchildren, and I think about it, that, they, you know, they go to Israel. They've gone several times. I didn't go un, until I graduated college because it, it cost too much. And, and you know, there were it, it wasn't the commonplace thing, and people didn't spend a year learning in Israel in the same way right. uh, or two years or three years. And uh, you're right. But I'm saying, people take it for granted. Right, and, but I'm saying the connection... It is a big shift. The, the connection is unbelievable, but the real shift is that we're now... You know, raising a generation who cannot even start to relate. For us, meaning my generation, it was tough to relate to, you know, pre-state Israel. 
now you, you, they can't relate to pre, you know, uh, pre uh, reunification of Jerusalem, Israel. Forget about you know trying to relate. To, you know, the Six Day War. Just you know, they they have to. You know, they're only studying it. Through- they have no idea. And exactly. I, I test this all the time. They have no idea. And if you ask them who Ben Gurion was, and they don't know. And I'm talking about yeshiva kids and day school kids. And remember that the sampling you're taking is a minority. If you go to the general Jewish right. population, right. the numbers are not anywhere as uh, like this. Correct. Still, the, the the connection is amazing, and the second point is that that the the that we are dealing now with Jews around the world um, who who cannot even relate to the era that I was referring to, the pre-state era. You're talking where, about the Exodus, right? Yeah, the Egypt. Exodus pre-state. No, I meant from Egypt. Uh, yeah. Oh, that Exodus? No, not a, not that one. Yeah, I don't remember that far back either, frankly. <laughs> Uh, I know that you're planning, Yom Yerushalayim will be there, Bezrat Hashem. Uh, you know, you and I, for years, have encouraged people to um, to travel. I, I got I to share, <laughs> share this with you. Someone came over to me and said, you, you begged us in 2014 to go during the war, so we went. You're begging us now to go for Jerusalem 50, so we're going. And I, and I stopped for a second, and I said, you know, this is like one of the first times ever I'm begging people to go to Israel for a good reason. You know, you, usually it's because, God forbid, terrorist attacks, intifada stabbings like we were encouraging people last year. And now we have an amazing reason to celebrate, to be there in May. It, it is true, and, I, and I, I'm afraid that this anniversary will not get the attention it deserves. And I get credit Mizrahi for taking the lead on this. And there are going to be amazing things going on that week, uh, big celebrations. And if you take Jerusalem for granted, you know, everybody yells and screams when we raise the protests about what the U.N. does. But frankly, our statement is just as great. When we're there physically, it makes a statement. If we're not there, and they don't see huge throngs coming there and celebrating, not just from Israel, but coming from outside, from all over the world, to show that we really do love Yerushalayim, that we really do care about its future, its unity, and that we will stand against the UNESCO resolution, which stripped it of its Jewish and Christian identity. This is the best way to do it, is by our physical presence. I was there, as you know, over the last weeks and off and on, and it, it yeah. was the weather was gorgeous. There was so much to see, so many things that you, I never get to see. You moved and, in practically. And, pardon me. You moved in practically. <laughs> <laughs> not, not enough. But we've got to move the practical part. And uh, while I look forward to Pesach and going to La Jolla and all that, but then the you come to the opportunity after that to go to your shalim and to celebrate and to be part of the big events that are going to take place. I don't know how anybody who can who can will miss it. I don't. I just don't get it. All right, I can't thank you enough. Uh, next week we will reconvene. Have a oh next week Shabbos Zachar. Oh, that'll be a good message, everybody. Make sure you're tuned in. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. My pleasure. Be well. Good Shabbos to everyone. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Wow. That was one exhausting session of the weekly update, wouldn't you say, folks? Candle lighting at 529 in the New York area on this Arab Shabbos. Parshas Truma going to be a cold Shabbos here. Uh, we're reminding everybody that we have amazing programming on our network. Following uh, JM in the AM, we have the opportunity to have Naomi Nachman, who was great, and a big shout-out to Naomi. She was great yesterday at Wesley Kosher with us during our live lunch. We thank her. Uh, she's, gonna be fe- she's going to feature um, a whole bunch of guests from Joy of Kosher, including uh, Jamie Geller, uh, Schiffer and Shlomo Klein, Tamar uh, Genger, and Laura Frankel. Uh, Basi Shemtov and Honey Kutterovsky from Detroit Soul Cafe and Danielle Renoff from uh, com. They're all going to be part of the Naomi Show at 9 o'clock. 10 o'clock starts the Arab Shabbos Music Mix with our friends from Kedem. Live lunch with Mark Zamek. 
Uh, sponsored by our friends from Kedem. Starts at 12 noon Eastern time. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami. Matis hosts JM Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern time, Sunday morning. We are back here on Monday. I think Monday is Arye Kunstler visiting on Monday. I think Arye Kunstler and other great musicians are coming in Monday. We are featuring a whole bunch of unbelievable brand new music on this program, I must say. We're doing a great job at it, and I believe that continues Monday right here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every... Oh, and I want to take this opportunity again to wish Mazel Tov to the Rosenberg and um, Wax families. Shelby Rosenberg and Danielle Wax are being married, Bezrat Hashem, this coming Sunday to Carolyn and Maish Rosenberg out in the Five Towns, to Lisa and Michael Wax down in the Philadelphia area. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And we look forward to participating in Jeremy Bienenfeld's Ufruf this Shabbos, please God, to Cheryl and Dr. Jay Bienenfeld, wonderful friends, a special Mazel Tov to the uh, extended Bienenfeld and Landsman families, to Jeremy and Rena, and to uh, Naomi and by Mark Landsman, also wonderful friends. Uh, we look forward to the big wedding this week. So Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday morning, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Newton, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Truma. Parshas Truma, according to the Chinuch, contains three mitzvos, two positive and one restrictive. And let's understand something. The parsha itself is dominated by the first of the three mitzvos, namely, V'asuli Mikdash V'shochanti B'socham. God says, make for me a home, a sanctuary, and I will dwell in their midst. The concept of a home for God is a most challenging one. After all, one of the 13 basic principles of our faith, as codified by the Rambam, and in fact, it happens to be his third of the Anima Min, I believe with perfect faith that God ain't lo guf. Ain't no guf. He literally is not physical and lo yasiguhu masigeha guf and is not affected by physical phenomena. Man needs a home. Man needs a place to sleep, a place to eat. God doesn't eat and doesn't sleep. He doesn't need a home. So the first thing we have to understand is that while, yes, we are building a home dedicated to Him, as the verse says, for us Mikdash, you are to make me a sanctuary. And Rashi teaches on the word Li for me, v'asu lishmi. They are to make a home for my sake that is dedicated, intertwined with man's total devotion and intent of creating sanctity in this place. And that's an interesting point. Just like a Sefer Torah is the holiest object that the Jewish people have, and after all, how is the Torah imbued 
with holiness? The answer is, it comes from a scribe who, prior to writing in the Sefer Torah, he clearly articulates and says, I am about to fulfill the mitzvah of writing for the sanctity of a Sefer Torah. Similarly, man invests Kedusha, sanctity, into the sanctuary of God, and God in turn reciprocates by causing His presence to dwell therein. But the most important point that we must say at the outset is that God does not need the home. Man needs a home for God. Why might we need the home? So for that, there's a basic machlokes between the Ramban and Rashi as to why there is this command to build a sanctuary for God. According to the Ramban, it's really positive, namely, that after we had the last two weeks, the revelation at Sinai, and then the Mishpatim that follow in last week's parsha. now that we are moving away from the mountain, we can't take the mountain with us, so we take a portable sanctuary which personifies the mountain, and just as the mountain was where God spoke to Moshe and the Jewish people, here too, in this Mikdash, in the sanctuary, God will continue His communication with Moshe and the Jewish people. As it says in chapter 25, Pasuk 22, sham. Literally, I shall set my meetings with you there. I shall speak with you from the top of the Aron, from between the Kruvim. So according to the Ramban, the Mikdash is an extension of Sinai. Perhaps a portable Sinai. According to Rashi, the Mishkan, the Mikdash, was not given to the Jewish people as a command until after they sinned with the golden calf. They're showing that they needed something physical in order to relate. And therefore, Hashem said, you asked for it, you got it, the Osuli Mikdash, let there be a Mikdash, that I shall dwell therein. Now, I think it's so important for us to focus on the following note. And that is that, think about it for a moment, how often a Jew came to the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash that was built, the first one, by Shlomo. It was readied by David. 
and it lasted for 410 years. And then the second base of Migdash that was built by Ezra and the Chemya, and that lasted for 420 years. And Purim that we're about to celebrate was the vehicle by which we were given authorization to build the second base of Migdash. The base of Migdash, just think, every Yom Tov, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkos, these are Shalosh Rigolim, three pilgrim festivals. What does that mean? You went to the Beis Hamikdash. The Beis Hamikdash, at that point, number one, was the place where the entire Jewish nation brought their offerings, but it also unified the people around their relationship with Hashem. Every time the Jew came to the Beis Hamikdash, he noted the miracles which were ever present in the Beis Hamikdash. I don't have time to go through them. Turn to the fifth chapter of Avos, the seventh Mishnah, which reads that there were ten miracles which occurred constantly in the Beis Hamikdash. Let's take one that is not as well known, and that is that Okay, what does that mean? That no fly was seen in the place where the meat was slaughtered in the Beis Hamikdash. Now listen carefully, especially in the summer months, without screens on a constant basis to realize that there are flies all over except in the base of Migdosh, not just one day but for hundreds of years that's it there's no question about it Hashem's presence is found and go back to that Mishnah you'll see so many more but it wasn't just Pesach Shavuos and Sukkos that you came to the base of Migdosh. the Jew had an obligation in terms of bringing his ma'asros. In the first and second, fourth and fifth year of the six years of the Shemitah cycle, so there is, after you've given 2% to Mr. Kohen, Truma, after you've given 10% to Mr. Levy for ma'aser, you gave another 10%, which is called ma'aser sheni, the second tenth that you brought to Yerushalayim. This is such an incredible mitzvah. Think about it for a moment. You are literally, this Torah imposes a vacation. Forget about the fact that the workaholic doesn't want to leave his farm. No, he has to leave his farm. He goes to Yerushalayim. He takes his children with him. He takes food that he is to eat in Yerushalayim or the money that he spends on the food in Yerushalayim. And what does he see in Yerushalayim? We had it in the Dafyomi in Baba Basra just two weeks ago, that the idea of being in Yerushalayim uplifted. He saw the Kohanim, he saw the Sanhedrin, he came to the base of Migdash. This solidified his personal relationship with Hashem. So the base of Migdash, we can say as the Chinuch says often, that Acharei HaPu'ulos, Nimshachim HaLevavos, that literally after one's actions does one's heart's 
and emotions and character develop, the frequency, the reverence that one brought to the Beis Hamikdash on a regular basis had such a powerful, uplifting effect upon the individual. But I think that we have to take it one step beyond that the purpose of the person and going to the Beis Hamikdash was for the Jew to grow in that relationship that he has with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The idea is that when he came to the Beis Hamikdash, he personally became inspired. He personally became uplifted. And why the Gemara in Megillah, Chav Zayin Amad which talks about, unfortunately, coming from the second book of Kings, concerning the destruction of the holy Beis Amigdash by Nevuzaradin, who was Nebuchadnezzar's general regarding the destruction of the first Beis Amigdash, it's written, Vayisrof is Beis Hashem. Literally, he's destroyed, he burnt the house of God, the Beis Amigdash, the Beis Amelech, and the palaces, this Kol Bata Yerushalayim, this Kol Bayis Godol, Saraf Ba'esh. What is these big houses that were burnt? The Talmud tells us, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, what does this mean? What's a bias gadol? Makom shemagadlim bo Torah? A place where Torah is clearly elevated, a place where Torah is studied and uplifted, and a place shemagadlim bo tefillah, a place where prayer is augmented, a place where the individual, as prayer is put in a perspective on a regular basis, it's increased. So too the individual who came to the Beis Hamikdash, he grew in his commitment to Hashem. And this is a very important point. Because too often we want to make sure that our children have continued growth in all which they do, that our business has continued growth. However, we too often tend to neglect our own personal growth. Therefore, in the Beis Amigdash, when you came, you grew, and therefore I want to strongly recommend that what do we take away from Parashas Truma? That the Navi Yecheskel teaches that the Botekinesios, the synagogues, are Mikdash Ma'at, they are miniature temples, and just as the Beis Hamikdash uplifted then, we must become uplifted by our Bote Kinesios. Might I suggest, one, before you enter the Beis HaMikdash, I'm sorry, the Beis HaKinesis, your synagogue, just as 
There are some people that properly so knock on their own doors before they come in in order to listen carefully now, put things in the right perspective. Whatever happened to the office, I'm not bringing home. Let me realize that my wife worked so hard and let me realize that even if the supper is not perfect, let me be in the right frame of mind. So my knocking on my own door is really talking to myself. So too, when I am privileged to open the door of the shul, don't go right in. Stop for a minute. Matovo Alecho Yaakov. Wow, look at the privilege as to where I am. Vani Barov It's a privilege for me to come in. It's a privilege for you, Hashem, to allow me to be in your presence. I don't go to Shul Shachris Mincha and Mayrif because I have to. I go to Shul Shachris Mincha and Mayrif because I want to. I want to be in His presence. And I pray that as we honor and show proper reverence for our Bate Knesios, for our synagogues. I'm telling you, not only can't you talk in the shul during davening, but you shouldn't talk in the shul even when they're not davening. That's the kind of yira one is to have of the synagogue, our Mikdash Ma'at, and therefore, as we were privileged then. Vishwakanti Bisulcham, may we truly be privileged to have an upgrade of Vishwakanti Bisulcham due to our proper respect in our Mikdash Ma'at. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Rabbi Behemna with that one. Lachadodi. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Truma, candle lighting coming up at 529 in this area. Naomi Nachman, the Aussie Gourmet, host of uh, Table for Two, coming up at uh, 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, you could see it at NachumSiegel.com, and you can uh, hear it, obviously, on all of our platforms. Uh, Mark Zamek, live lunch at uh, 12 noon. Part of the Erev Shabbos programming brought to you by our wonderful people at Kedem. Uh, that's the uh, Erev Shabbos music mix, live lunch, plenty more, all the way until candlelighting time. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami featuring Aurelius Wickler. Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis. That happens at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Sunday morning. So much happening, so much going on. Don't forget that Avram Avram Friedzen concert. Oh, by the way, I heard the Lincoln Square Synagogue concert last night was great. Got a wonderful report about that with Zusha and uh, Yankee Lemmer and everybody, Shimon Kramer. Um, and I want to thank Leif Tahar for being in our studio tomorrow, uh, yesterday, by the way. And the rumor is that Arye Kunstler is going to stop by with some company on uh, Monday. My gosh. We are doing amazing when it comes to the brand new music. Chazday Soul to Soul presents Avram or Avram Freed. He'll be bringing the house down this coming Sunday, Brooklyn School of Music on Claussen Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Information at the 347-688-SOUL. Again, that's 347-688-SOUL for information on that. Reminder that the Mikvah Bat Sheva Esther has the uh, 14th yard side uh, observance for Bat Sheva Kanelski that's coming up this coming Sunday. Zion Adar starting at 10.30 in the morning at the Brissav Rum Center in Hillside. Information 908-289-0770. Mazal tov to all the honorees for the Mayanot dinner tomorrow night. Mrs. Suzanne Cohen, Rabbi Daniel and Diane Cohen, Elliot and Lori Linzer, and the Ritholtz family accepting the Be'er Torah Memorial Award in memory of Bruce Ritholtz. A big shout-out to our friends at Mayanot. The big dinner is tomorrow night. Information, go to mayanot.org. Also, Safam is coming to um, the Rutgers Hillel. Whenever they're there, it's an amazing event. It's Sunday, 7 p.m. If you've never seen Safam in concert, I have said this a million times, if you've never seen Safam in concert, you got to see them at least once, at least. Go to RutgersHillel.org for information, RutgersHillel.org. It's J. Oh, there we go. It's J.M. in the A.M. Plenty more coming up on a Friday, Erev Shabbos. Here's Yisrael Werdiger. Now I shall not go 
Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM, and it is time to say good Shabbos. Journeys is on, JM in the AM. Special blessing on a cup that's filled with 
It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moment in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. The NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. And I thank all of you for tuning in and making this another amazing week for us here at JM&AM and the NachumSiegel Network. Naomi Nachman is next. Table for two is coming up. Brand new edition. You can see it all on the homepage right now. The video is up at NachumSiegel.com. And, of course, you can hear it on all of our platforms. Erev Shabbos Music Mix brought to you by our favorite people over at Kedem. Um, Mark Zamek's live lunch for a Friday, 12 noon Eastern time. Again, sponsored by the wonderful people at Kedem. It's all happening today on the Nahum Siegel Network. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami. Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis starting at uh, 7 a.m. Eastern time. And, of course, Monday, uh, Arye Kunstler, the rumor is, is going to be stopping by with some brand new music. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend, Mazal Tov to everybody celebrating this weekend, and until um, Monday morning at 6 a.m., it's Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.